everyone, welcome to episode 130 of the MTG Grindcast, the spikiest podcast in all of Central North Carolina, with a special focus on the SCG Tour. We are your hosts, I'm Chris Kasser-Apple, with me as always, Collins Mullen. Hey Collins! What's up Chris? How's it going? Pretty good, you know, it's a little haywire at the moment. <laughs> I fly out for Phoenix tomorrow. Yep. Marginally locked on my deck list that's due tomorrow, but you know, still a lot to do. <laughs> right. Still, what what time is it due? It's due at like midnight tomorrow. Midnight night? tomorrow. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Cool. So you got a little bit of time, but if your flight mm-hmm. is happening, yeah, travel. You know, it's hard to prepare and travel at the same time. So yeah. I want I want to feel good about it leaving Definitely. North Carolina. Well, we are going to talk mostly about that Pioneer prep, all the stuff that's happened, because we did have two PTs last weekend, you know, team open, fewer conclusions you can draw from that. Yeah. But we are going to talk a little bit about the modern stuff, the stuff that happened at the team open, because we were there this weekend, so might as well share. We want to thank our patrons. Since we took a week off, we have a bunch to thank. So thank you so much to our newest patrons, Josh. Francis J, Charles D, Kyle G, Young Udan, and Sam G increased his pledge, which not necessary, but super, super cool. We We appreciate it. We really, really do appreciate it. We've sent out all of the playmats, have a couple more for new patrons to send out. We are getting new tokens with us as gingerbread food (laughs) figures. Um, They're very cute. And that stuff all gets sent out to patrons pretty soon. And we also have all of the art stuff that we've gotten commissioned. We got prints of it that came, and we're going to redecorate this area behind us for the, the live broadcast. So I'm mm-hmm. very excited for yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It should look pretty cool. I'm pretty excited. Just have not had time to put it together <laughs> yet. But. Yeah. Cool. So you have been doing a bunch of Pioneer prep over yes. the past couple of days. Yep. And... We kick things off with a Keeper Mall, and then this yes. is, I assume, a Pioneer deck. It is a Pioneer deck. Okay. Uh, it's kind of hard to see. And I did pray, play Prowess kind of on accident <laughs> last weekend. Um. <laughs> we'll have to talk about that after this Keeper Mall. True. We'll, 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 after the Keeper Mall, we'll just talk about sort of how the weekend went. Sure. And then we'll transition into Pioneer, and then maybe even a little bit of Limited. Yep. So. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, so this Keeper Mulligan, so it's this is Mono Red in Pioneer. Mm-hmm. It's a lower-to-the-ground version than what I think people have become accustomed to in mm-hmm. Pioneer. The big red decks have definitely been very popular yeah. um, for a long time now. No longer viable. Yeah, it just can't ever beat the inverter combo. Yeah, that's a bad <laughs> just, spot to be. You just have no way of interacting with it, really, and often die to it, so... We're trying to get under them now. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're playing uh, lower the ground stuff with light up the stage, essentially, cool. is the idea of this deck. Oh, this deck has light um, up the stage in it. So this hand is uh, <laughs> has Mountain, a Zergo, a Wild Slash, and four light up the stages. Hmm, that's a lot of light up the stages. <laughs> it is a lot. Are we're we on, on, we're on the play? We're on the play. Oh, thank God. And we're playing against Breach. Mm. So we know that our Zergo will connect. Yeah. Two. So we know we will be able to light up the stage. The question is, is it worth it? <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, well, you know, immediately one of my thoughts is, like, if we don't hit a mountain in our draw step or in the two cards off of the first light up the stage, yep. we're not going to kill our opponent in no. time. Also, we're not going to be able to cast all of these light up the stages over the course of this game, probably. Right. Um, because that's just this game yeah. is not about two for one and yeah our opponent in if way. this we had this hand against like a kind of like a more controlly deck i would be a little more excited to keep it mm-hmm. just because of the two for one elements of the light of the stages you're just gonna have gas forever right with this hand in particular um, like one that maybe doesn't have a lot of fatal pushes in it yeah you, you know mm-hmm. right and that is the risk in that sure scenario, for sure but um, but the payoff in that scenario for connecting with the Zergo and starting the light up the stage chain is quite high yeah. in a way that isn't really there in the combo matchup. Yeah. And the other huge factor for this hand is that we are post board um, against Breach mm-hmm. and we have three Eidolons in our deck. Okay. So I think any hand with two mountains and an Eidolon is going to be significantly better than that makes sense. Even getting there with this hand. Right. So. Kind of a weird hand and definitely made me sit there and think about it for a while. Right. Because um, it, it looks along the lines of what you are trying to do with this deck. Yeah. But I think in this particular matchup, it it, feel, it kind of feels like a trap to me. Yep. Yep. So 
I think it's Mulligan. Cool. But it was a goofy one. Yeah, no. I, quads. I agree, but it definitely is a, a little bit of a thinker, even though but I think it's definitely right to get rid of this yeah. in that known matchup. Yeah, for sure. Um, so should we talk about SCG Richmond for a little bit? How was your we weekend? Should. Kind of wild. Yeah. You teamed with Seth Manfield and Shaheen Sarani for this weekend. Yeah. Uh, and that was a lot of fun. That's super cool. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty good friends with Shaheen. Mm-hmm. Known him for a while. I didn't know Seth going into this weekend, but he was great. Just like very chill dude. Fun to talk to. Amazing at Magic the Gathering. Well, so. Yeah, that, <laughs> that one goes without saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it was a great time. Uh, my tournament started off kind of a little rocky, though, <laughs> for multiple reasons. The first of which is that I was unable to get together the deck that I had prepared for the tournament, mm-hmm. which was Heliod Combo. Yep. We thought that we had some spike feeders lined up for the weekend. They ended up not coming through. And between Zan and I, we only had four spike feeders amongst, after asking the entire hall, yeah. pretty much. At 9.45 in the morning, tournament starts at 10, uh, Evan says, hey, uh, James has a prowess deck if you want to audible to that. <laughs> and I say, sure. <laughs> and I go talk to him and apparently he, thankfully, was on the version of prowess that I like. Steamkins. Steamkins. And not. And I, I would have yeah. gone and purchased Steamkins had he sure. not had them because I love Steamkins. Yep. And but yeah, I mean his deck was pretty much complete. All I really needed to do was take out Smash to Smithereens from the sideboard and replace them with Leylines. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that was completely correct or not, but I think it was a good choice. Um, Smash I to never boarded in the Leylines. Yeah, so. <laughs> but would you have boarded in? Like, how likely would you have been to board in the smashes? Well, I mean, maybe right. you did play against something with it, but I think looking at the tournament yeah. as a whole, yeah, 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 having smashes in your board does not seem that ideal yeah no for sure i think it was correct to cut them Mm -hmm. um but my sideboard was definitely a little thrown together sure not exactly how i wanted to start off my tournament but i love like i would have been pretty happy with that circumstance had it been an individual event but i kind of felt like i was letting my team down sure because you know it's just not what you just don't want to have to audible because of card selection yeah um uh and i you know i loved playing the prowess deck and i had a blast the whole weekend but yeah, not not exactly what I wanted to do. I would have played Heliod Combo, mm-hmm. which you ended up playing. Which I did play. So tell me about that. How was it? <laughs> so it was extremely good. Yeah, 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 yeah. I felt kind of bad because I did have a Heliod deck. Yeah, like, I could have given I'm you... I'm not going right, to steal anybody's Right, and, and nobody... Like, right. you certainly didn't suggest it to me or anything like that. Yeah. If it weren't a team tournament, I would have considered it more. But, sure. like, this is the deck that I had been playing. I didn't yeah. have a deck that I know how... You know, it takes me a long time to get used to a deck, mm-hmm. and in particular in modern. Much so, better me playing prowess. Than you playing much better you playing prowess, yes, <laughs> than me playing prowess for the first time. Yeah, you know, not probably not doing so good with it. Heliod combo, however, in many ways, pilots itself. Um, nice. So I can't be too, love to hear it. It's. I, I don't think this is. I think it's a very good deck, and it felt mm-hmm. very powerful to me. I think it's not a deck that's going to get hit by any bans at any point because the meta can certainly adjust to it. And in particular, right now, it's very good because Amulet is far and away the best deck yeah. in modern. Right. Um, and I went 6-0 and versus Amulet, and none of my matches felt particularly close. Yeah. And that's that's why the deck is good. Um, what Zan... Zan was working on it. He ended up... We had a version that was a collected company version for Spike Feeder, for Heliad, for Kitchen Finks, yep. uh, other combo pieces with Giver of Runes. And that is what I played at a PTQ a week ago. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it felt fine. But the problem with it is that, number one, people aren't really trying to kill your creatures that much in Modern. Fatal Pushes is not good in an Amulet Titan format. So... Giver of Runes has a lot less application. And more than that, like, the deck is just kind of clunky with a bunch, uh, just a, a million three drops and four collected companies. Yeah. So swapping in Devoted Druids for the Givers of Runes and then Vizier of Remedies for the Anafenses, honestly, like, the biggest upgrade from that is the ability to cast your spells more. Mm-hmm. You just have four extra mana dorks in your deck and the, the opening hands are smoother, the availability of mana over the course of the game you just have more um and it's just much easier to cast collected companies so um, i was very pleased with the deck over the weekend if the format moves to a place where like infinite life is not a win against 
the vast majority of the format, you know, like I played against Demir Urza with War Combo in it, the first round of the Classic, because uh, unfortunately my team did not day two, despite my deck <laughs> winning most of my matches on its own. Fair enough. Unfortunately, we didn't day two. It played the Classic, played against Demir Urza round one, which is a little bit of a nightmare matchup because they have early removal interaction and they don't care about infinite life yeah yeah yeah. so it's about the worst of mm-hmm. all worlds i that and that was something that i found as well with the deck is that if you ever played against a deck that could be infinite life mm-hmm. your deck goes from like insanely strong to kind of mopey yeah which is kind of hard to fix with the deck and i think that's why we ended up putting in the druid exactly as well because a lot of the decks that can Urza aside, a lot of the decks that can beat Infinite Life have a hard time with just, here's a Druid, here's a Vizier, yeah. do stuff with my infinite mana. Right, right. So um, they, they do sort of patch up each other's weaknesses reasonably well. Yeah. Um, kind of funny that this life gain deck, like the prowess matchup is so tight. It's like <laughs> really, really interesting. I played yeah. against it twice. All of Every one of my six games that I played were close. Yeah, yeah. Played against it, played against Xan, playing it just like in a practice match between rounds and like our game was so hard like mm-hmm. every turn took like <laughs> like two minutes plus to just like figure out right optimal lines and stuff yeah that that matchup is neat and really difficult lava dart yeah lava dart's very strong um i assumed just because heliod is full of life gain mm-hmm. that heliod would be a huge favorite against prowess and i think it is definitely favored yeah but i with prowess went Three and zero against Heliod mm-hmm. over the course of the weekend, we, and one of those is on a technicality, unfortunately, because my opponent got a game loss. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it felt surprisingly winnable. Yeah, I, I think it's just that the combo gets disrupted by Lava Dart in the graveyard. Yeah, um, and also Soul Scar Mage is a hilariously huge problem. Yeah, because <laughs> Kitchen Finks has persist. <laughs> I could I couldn't run out my kitchen finks while there was a soul scar mage in play, mm-hmm. right. and also if Heliod turns into a creature, it can die to stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, it but the the games are really interesting. But anyways, that's modern. We don't really care about modern that yep. much. I'm gonna play Heliod next weekend at the team tournament, and yep. hopefully it goes great. Yeah, I hope so too. Um, we ended up getting ninth place at the open. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were X three in the last round, but we could not make top four. Okay. Um, so we ended up losing and uh, making ninth. But you know, after we started off kind of rocky with two two, but I, you know, I feel really good about our finish. Definitely. After no, that's great. All things considered. <laughs> yeah, I made the. Uh, yeah, no, that's great. After not having your deck <laughs> right. fifteen minutes before the tournament. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I made the crucial error of losing round one in the classic. So mm. at X two at the end of the day, I finished at eighteenth place. I, I'm familiar with that. <laughs> I've been there. I've been that exact spot. It doesn't feel good. No, it's not great. But you know, we do what we can. It's yep. fine. Yep. Uh, the things will break my way next time they have before. <laughs> Maybe not next time, but at some point. So Maybe. pioneer, pioneer. You, you want to tell me about this because I don't know anything about this format. Okay. Besides, like, well, this is going to be know, very informative. Then I've looked at deck lists and stuff. I've looked at PT mm-hmm. results, but yeah. I have not experienced it for myself. Right. So I, I need you to guide me through this whole thing. So big takeaways from last weekend is Inverter was the mm-hmm. kind of the most hype deck going into the tournament. Right. And that played out by it being the most popular deck in in I think both tournaments. Well, maybe behind Mono Black Aggro. Yeah. But it was definitely the talk of the town. And Mono Black did not perform very well. Which is surprising given that it is, you know, it has a strong matchup against Inverter itself. And if Inverter is so common, but maybe it cannibalized itself and then also lost to some other stuff. Um, Can we talk about how we got here in the format? Just a little bit. Just sort of wind it up. Yeah, because we just haven't talked about the format in a while. True. So we had Chonky Red Mm -hmm. as. You know, kind of the everybody's favorite deck in the format, quite powerful. But then people started outvaluing it pretty heavily, a little bit with blue white, but in particular with these five color Niv Mizzet decks. Yes, this um, Niv Mizzet definitely encapsulated in a, a previous era yeah. <laughs> of Pioneer. Yeah, it, like you can't beat Niv Mizzet with Glorybringer. Mm-hmm. You can't even target it because it is a dragon. So yep. you know, don't do that. <laughs> so the Niv Mizzet deck, like at one point, had like four of the 
eight slots in the top eight of a challenge and was on its way to becoming the preeminent deck in the format. But then somebody, I mean, then Thassa's Oracle was printed. Nobody had to discover it. It just happened. Thassa's Oracle was printed. Probably somebody posted a Twitter meme that was like, ha ha ha, check out inverter well i think that canister actually posted the first inverter list i think it was like his brainchild i completely believe that and you know (laughs) after the fact that makes sense too but yeah i'm pretty sure that he popularized it these top eights were extremely strong yes Um, yeah both of them yeah so a a lot of the best players sort of rose to the top definitely um congratulations to you larson for coming with a pretty sweet deck in that Sultai list and getting reward heavily rewarded for it. Yeah. And to Canister for, you know, putting in the reps and being in the finals once again. Yep. (laughs) I mean, that's just never not there. Uh, Niv-Mizzet definitely was the de facto best deck for a long time after it kind of emerged to beat uh, Chonky Red. Yeah. Yeah. And then the next thing that happened in the format was that Thassa's Oracle was printed this uh, inverter deck was discovered. The inverter deck had a pretty good matchup against Nimizit. Mm-hmm. But also, the inverter deck kind of garnered its own hype and overtook Nimizit as the best deck in the format. Mm-hmm. I don't think it was necessarily that its matchup there is good, but people just love two card combos. Sure. Like, you know, and people are just like preaching twin, calling the deck twin. <laughs> you know, all of the twin lovers mm-hmm. came out of the woodwork and were like, we get to play this again. And it's it's definitely very, very strong and uh, has a lot of pull from, like, I think a lot of the better players also enjoy playing that style of deck as well. Yeah. Because the deck is essentially interact, 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 kill you. Mm-hmm. which is pretty powerful formula in yeah. Magic. And it gets to play the two best interactive cards in the format yep. in Fatal Push and Thoughtseize. So right. it's off to a great start there. And, you know, and then the other deck that was pretty popular and was the actual most popular deck of the Pro Tours was uh, Mono Black mm-hmm. Aggro. I don't... It's... I'm still... Haven't really figured out what happened to Mono Black Aggro. Okay. It kind of got crushed. At the PT. Yeah. Here, let me um, pull up this uh, matchup percentage matrix on... Okay. To give credit where credit is due, that is from mtgmeta.io, and they sort of do the yeah. breakdowns after and a great. lot of big tournaments. Yeah, so Mono Black Aggro, overall win rate in the two tournaments, 48.4%. So yeah. under 500. couple of good matchups, but some like really bad matchups. Looks like... In, in those tournaments, it actually was behind against Inverter mm-hmm. in the actual results. I don't know what the actual matchup percentage is like because the range goes from, you know, 33 to 53% yeah. potentially. But right. in the tournament itself, won 42% of its matches against Inverter. Right. And and that kind of makes sense mm-hmm. now that I'm thinking a little bit more about it. And because we had <clears throat> theorized that Mono Black would be a rough matchup for Inverter based on the whole concept of you have hand disruption and pressure. Yeah. And those are the two things that you really want against uh, a combo deck like mm-hmm. Inverter. Um, the problem, though, is that your only hand disruption that is that effective is Thoughtseize. Because the dresses that you have in your sideboard yeah. don't hit the combo at all. So I'm sure that, you know, if you're leaning on your like sideboard to include additional interaction... And you just have duresses over there. It's probably not going to be as good as you think it is. You probably are supposed to have, as bad as it sounds, agonizing remorse in your sideboard. Or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And remorse is really good because exiling a Thassa's Oracle is... Yeah, way <laughs> better than putting it in the graveyard. It's, it's pretty good. It's pretty important. Yeah. Um, putting it in the graveyard is almost equivalent to doing nothing to it. <laughs> yeah. Because they That's just, where they want it to end up. They flip it right back into their deck with their inverter, and yeah. then it, their two-card combo kind of becomes a one-card combo at that right. point. Yeah. Right. So so Mono Black didn't end up doing very well, but some of the other like decks that I believe were are going to be popular moving forward from this tournament are definitely Yol Larson's Delirium mm-hmm. deck. I think that deck is very, very strong, and I think a lot of people are going to pick it up. Yep. Um, it definitely has some good game against Inverter. Mostly, I expect to see a lot of Inverter, yeah, Mono Red, and a little bit of Mono Black. I don't think it will be. I don't think Mono Black will be as popular as it was in these first two tournaments because people are kind of going to get sketched out by its win percentages. Mm-hmm. But I think it'll go down a little bit. But it's still, you know, very 
strong, just think, like basic deck to, to lean back on. Do you think switching over to vampires from the standard mono black list, do you think that helps at all? Vampires did have, you know, small sample size, so sure. take this all with a grain of salt. Yeah. Uh, it did have a positive win percentage overall in these tournaments. Um, you get Soren and Champion of Dusk are your, your payoffs for switching to vampires, which are not particularly helpful against Inverter itself. Yeah, I just don't think that that is going to fix any of the problems that sure. the deck is facing in the metagame right now. Yep. So, I mean, that makes sense to me. Yeah. A lot of my teammates are talking about Inverter. I think that's, like, everybody's like, yep, we're all going to default play Inverter mm-hmm. if we don't figure anything else out. <clears throat> I am pretty much 0% to play Inverter. Okay. PT. Tell me why. So, lately, I've just been having a lot more fun with and success with mm-hmm. playing decks that I vibe with. Mm-hmm. And I think that's real. Yeah. And I want to lean into that more this year um, and be willing to play some strategies that are maybe not necessarily tier one as much as they are just like really fit my play style. Mm -hmm. I really know them really well. So the decks that I was looking at for this tournament were mono red. Um, I would be pretty excited to play a mono red deck at the PT. And then also the other deck that stood out to me was Simic. Uh, ramp okay which is something that i'm pretty excited about because through my testing mono red underperformed for me it was not very strong Mm -hmm. you can't really go big red you have to go little red yes and then the little red deck is pretty underwhelming seth played small red in our team event from what i heard he was not happy with that deck choice (laughs) right uh it it did not look good He was squeaking out some wins, I'll tell you what. Better that he learned that now than <laughs> yeah. next weekend. Though. No, for sure. Yeah, yeah. And then Kellen Pastor was successful last weekend in his uh, classic with Mono Red. Yeah. With kind of his own version with the Light of the Stages, and that's what I tested today. But my teammate unfortunately lost to him in the top eight of that classic. Oh, yeah. In the Mono Red Mirror. Nice. The Little Red deck, like I was kind of hoping, would be like pretty well positioned and powerful, but... I just found it to be a little inconsistent, and if you don't draw the right pieces, mm-hmm. then it's not performing very well. And that's just not at all where you want to be with a mono red deck. It's like you want your whole deck to be like sure. pretty uniformly b- burny, you know, aggressive. But like I found that if I like didn't have my early creatures, mm-hmm. or um, if I didn't like draw my light at the stages in the right matchups sure it just like wasn't pulling together what which uh list did you play did you try the list from the top eight of nagoya um no i played kellen's list okay from sure the classic that, i think that's that's reasonable mm-hmm. um philip was really happy with the nagoya top eight list this okay. one has four tour brands in it yeah and i um, didn't have any tour brands right so that could be something else for sure and i think those might actually have been good against inverter Mm-hmm. Just because they turn all of your little damage sources into just, like, a crazy turn. Yeah. Which you need to close out the game. Yeah, right. Um, and that, yeah, that is definitely the secret against um, Inverter is that you need to kill them very quickly. Mm-hmm. Because their combo, you just, you can't interact with it, really. No. So. But yeah, so you're, you're feeling Simic Ramp. So tell me about this. Yeah, so Simic Ramp was kind of the other deck I was a little excited about playing. Just because I, I felt like it, you know, it, it's definitely one of like the archetypes that I'm most fond of, and have uh, had success with in the past, and have had success with in the past. And the initial list, I don't remember his last name, but uh, this one was the one that Nico played. Okay. Um. In in what? What was so it? he got? He got seventh place in the open, the team open. Oh, uh, okay, okay. So essentially, to tell you about the deck, it is it's a ramp deck. So you're ramping up to. World Breakers and Cavalier of Thorns and Emrakul. So it kind of fundamentally is like an Emrakul deck. Yeah, so uh, Nico Del Vale is uh, is the person who kind of had the initial Mm -hmm. build of this. I hadn't seen it anywhere else before. But it looked really strong. And the thing that I love the most about it is that he has main deck uh, Thought Not Seer, Mm -hmm. which I think is phenomenal in the format right now. And being able to cast it on turn three is classic thought not seer move <laughs> it's so much better on turn three than turn four yeah and then it, it's also a very strong uro uh deck okay so he's running seder wayfinders and uro and cavalier of thorns all enable uro pretty well mm-hmm. 
Nico only ran three Seder Wayfinders and three Uros, so he kind of like had a like a minor Uro package in his deck. But I found that the Uro was just one of the better things that you could be doing with this deck, mm-hmm. so I actually ended up going up to four Wayfinders and four Uros. I've been very happy with that. And that's what made the Sultai deck into a thing as well. You yes, know, yeah. Everybody tried to play Sultai at the beginning of the format. Mm-hmm. You know, for a week or two, it looked fine. Decks got better, and then it wasn't able to keep up. And even the Emrakul endgame right. was not what the format was about. The printing of Uro really transformed what that deck was able to do. Now you can just run a bunch of Seder Wayfinders. They're like early roadblocks, fill up your graveyard. They draw you a land and an Uro a lot of the time. Yep. And that's really good. Yeah. Being able to mill over Uro and not having to cast it is nice. That's really nice, yeah. Yep. So... Um, you know, that's that's the core engine, the core like card advantage and threat engine of the Sultai deck that makes it work. Mm-hmm. Um, and it looks like you're doing a similar thing here. Yeah. Just really leaning on Uro for your just board presence and card advantage. Yeah, yeah and uh, this deck is very similar to Yol's Sultai deck in the sense that, you know, you have that Uro package. But instead of trying to play a mid-rangey game, mm-hmm. we're trying to play a rampy game. So yeah. we're ramping into big things like Worldbreaker and, you know... We have Ugins and yeah. and Emrakuls. Right. And we're not like a four Ugin deck. No. Because that's not good enough anymore. Right. That and I actually... So there are two Ugins in the, in the original list. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm down to one in the main, one in the board. Sure. Um, just because, yeah, the, the tier one decks right now aren't... Don't really care that much about Ugin. Yeah. And I mean, you're, you're choosing your threat base heavily informed by the existence of inverter that's why we've got four thought yep. outseers that's why we've got two emerkles yep um world breaker at least does a th- like interacts with them in some way as long as you get it down early enough yeah and yeah right so yeah and then so game one against inverter is kind of rough mm-hmm. but we have a really good postboard plan of bringing in a bunch of counter spells yeah and tireless tracker is great so postboard having access to a bunch of stuff like that and kind of like trimming off like the super high end and just trying to like establish either a tireless tracker or an Uro mm-hmm. with counterspell backup is really difficult for yeah. the for this deck to beat. And then you mix in you have main deck thought not seers, which is great. They continue to be great post board. And then you also get to run Ipnu Rivulet. And it's Yeah, that is very cute deck. Uh it's good in your deck because an Ipnu Rivulet is just Another and Uro it's from your graveyard. A full Uro, yeah. yeah. Um, you, it's, you know, that's five cards, including the land. You can cast your Uro again. So sometimes you do find yourself, like, milling yourself. But just, like, having out a Ibni Rivulet turns off a lot of the lines that your opponent has access to as Inverter. Mm-hmm. So they definitely have to dance around that a little bit, which buys you time to establish your counterspells or your um, yep. late game. Yeah. And one thing to point out, too, is Thought Not Seer, like Agonizing Remorse, exiles the card you take out of their hand, so they yes. don't get to flip it back into their library. Yeah. Um, and that's, like, a main thing that the Inverter deck does. Like, especially against, like, more controlling decks, mm-hmm. you can run the, like, Thought Seize, Thought Erasure, just play an Inverter, flip two hand disruption spells back into your deck, Thought Seize them, Thought Erasure them, and play Thassa's Oracle and win the game. Right. Like no counterspell deck is going to beat that unless they're like doing something to pressure back or something right yeah and that was something that i discovered pretty quickly and that's why i'm uh, i haven't actually done this yet but i'm going to go up on tireless trackers Mm. it's just because you need something in play to put the pressure on yeah um and i think for me tireless tracker is the answer there i remember this from the old uh aetherworks marvel days Mm -hmm. that like tireless tracker plus counterspells against a combo deck is very oppressive yeah because you just get to keep on refueling you're pressuring them and you can end the game pretty quickly yeah yeah i mean that's you know you're playing a curious obsession game basically there yeah. which you're just not equipped to beat yeah um, yeah yeah that all makes sense cool i i would definitely not have you know the previous versions especially of like mono green ramp mm-hmm. just i can't imagine have any capability of winning games against inverter no. yeah absolutely not yeah i mean this deck is really leaning on uh having access to thought Nasiro and uro mm-hmm. to to be able to have a game in that matchup but they had an element that is very very important so yeah definitely 
the the metagame is wider than sort of what we've been yes. hinting at here. True. So, you know, if you look at Nagoya, it's kind of it feels kind of not. They had five inverted lists in their top eight. Yeah. Um, though one of them was freaking sweet. True. Uh, there was a, uh, like, <laughs> This was blue, the mono blue one? Mono blue devotion. Yeah. Just with Nykthos and, you know, lots of the mono blue cards. And then just also had inverter as a payoff in there. Mm-hmm. And, you know. Uh, yeah. So Shintaro Ishimura, just an incredibly brave gentleman. <laughs> it paid off? Definitely paid off. Yep. But brought this like... Lay some Leyline of Anticipations. Leyline of Anticipation. Gadwick. Yeah. Nykthos deck. Right. Um, that kills with Inverter of Truth. Mm-hmm. Honestly, sweet. Yeah. I played cool. against a white version of this deck. Hmm. Um, so instead of Inverter of Truth, it was just like playing, I don't know, Reflector Mage. Oh, yeah. So that Sam Black, I think, put that list together oh, first. Okay. Gotcha. That one is actually running New Thassa as well. Okay. So you can lock your creature-based opponent under Reflector Mage. Oh, also. yeah, that I, or, that did happen to me. Yeah. They struggled with an uh, Ugin, though, so... <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> was fine. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. Um, but the way... So th- this deck is sweet. The, the Inverter version is kind of sweet mm-hmm. because its alternative plan, if, like, Inverters get cut off somehow, is that with Nykthos, you can actually Gadwick to draw your whole deck pretty much that's oracle yeah it's pretty wild yeah not only is your can you gadwick for a million but also sometimes you just have like 16 devotion yeah so your deck can be still reasonably sized and and that's oracle Oracle just wins yeah and and on top of that um if you just like have a massive board your thoughts oracle is a just great because when you cast it Mm-hmm. It can. Dig. It's just vampiric you just, tutor. You just find what you want. Yeah, and then also with the new Thassa, blinking it, you just yeah, you, you just, just get, get whatever every, you just every vampiric time. tutor every yeah. turn. So the game yeah. is pretty quickly from there. Yeah, yeah. This version does not have Thassa in it. Sure, but you know you certainly can build your deck that way if that's what ha- if that's what you're choosing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the the rest of that top eight. <laughs> is a bunch lot of inverter of Demir inverter mm-hmm. yeah. uh yukuhira though yeah with coming in second with sram auras i i was very close to testing this deck mm-hmm. um i ended up not doing that because it just so happened that every streamer was streaming with this deck and See? i was just able to look at that and get an impression <laughs> because of... this deck is sweet yeah definitely an eye catcher yeah hateful eidolon making an appearance yeah yeah so this is just black white uh auras essentially yeah so instead of you don't having, have yeah. hexproof boggles but you do protect your guys via alcyd karametra's blessing mm-hmm. and just generally like the fact that you're drawing cards as your auras enter and leave the battlefield right so and you guys get huge really fast between all the glitters and ethereal armor the fact yeah that, i mean you have the good ones yeah so your your guys are pretty massive pretty quickly mm-hmm. yeah i mean this deck seemed really sweet i ended up not really liking what i saw when watching it play out mm-hmm. definitely very cool yeah i mean it's very limited in <clears throat> it's doing one thing yeah and you can't shift gears you don't change the size of your deck by boarding right you have a lo- you have 19 auras in your main deck like there's only so much fiddling around you can do during sideboarding so right um you better believe that this thing that you're doing is very good <laughs> yeah I do like Apostle of Purifying Light in this deck, though, in the sideboard. Is this the pro protection from it black? It just has protection from black. So if you're playing yeah. as a Fatal Push deck, you bring those in, and then you put all your auras on that thing, and they can never beat you. Yeah, that's a Hexproof Duder. Yeah. Hilarious. Yep. So yeah, cool. some cool stuff there. But yeah, that, that Pro Tour definitely mm-hmm. seemed to be dominated by yeah. Demir Inverter. And I think another deck that we haven't mentioned yet, but definitely should, because I think it's going to be a huge role player moving forward. Mm-hmm. Is Bant Spirits. Bant Spirits won PT Nagoya mm-hmm. and was in the was it in the finals or just put two copies in the top eight? No, it put two copies in the top eight of Brussels. Yes. Yeah. So uh, that deck is, I think, definitely going to be pretty popular. And another deck that I'm going to need to watch out for as Simic Ramp because mm-hmm. I, I'm going to need some tools there to be able to beat that deck. It seems like on paper not a great matchup for me. Yeah, uh, and I guess. We're definitely in the camp of Bant Spirits is the way to go over Azora Spirits. Collect a company better than Mutavault. Is that kind of where, where we're at? Um, I think so. I'm not 100% sure. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I think Collect Company is just one of the most powerful cards in Pioneer right now. Yeah. The card is just ridiculously strong. And I think the Spirits is just the best shell for it. Mm-hmm. So I think that, yeah, I do think that Collect Company is the the card that makes this into a Tier 1 deck. Um, I don't think it would be Tier 1 without it. Okay. I mean, it is a shame because Mutavolt is Mutavolt's so great. good. Yeah, but you're competing with Mutavolt and not, like, Aether Vial. Mm-hmm. So True. I think that it's just worth the splash. And the mana's relatively free yeah the, um, the mana is still you end, pretty up, good. you end up taking a couple more points of damage over the course of the tournament or, mm-hmm. or over the course of the game but not by a lot and yeah and i think just like having access to collect company is very very powerful it's interesting though because i've definitely heard multiple different perspectives on how good this deck actually is okay against inverter of truths sure um you know there was a thread that both Canister and Kaibud were replying to, basically saying, like, I don't I don't know why everybody thinks that Spirits is so good against Inverter. Sure. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. If if we look at this matrix here, and we look at Bant Spirits in particular, which did have a significantly higher win percentage than Azorius Spirits, mm-hmm. but it also had fewer pilots, so yeah. um a little bit of variance there. But looks like yeah, I mean you know, these results, Bant Spirits, 72% win rate against Demir Inverter versus Azoria Spirits, 45% win rate against Demir Inverter. I can't imagine that the win rates are the actually that different. that much, right. Because, like, yeah. Company is not that insane against <laughs> the combo deck. No. I do I do think that Bant Spirits is ahead against Inverter, mm-hmm. but Inverter definitely has a lot of stuff going for it in the matchup. Yeah. And I'm, I feel confident that a competent inverter pilot would be able to feel pretty comfortable in the matchup sure so yeah yep but definitely pretty powerful stuff my teammate uh philip in our pioneer seat did play azoria spirits Mm -hmm. this weekend it looked okay but definitely some of the aggro decks were able to just like get under it and if you were able to get like yeah i don't think that your aggro matchups in any capacity are strong mono red is really tough mono black is tough yeah yeah no he played Mono red in the classic mm-hmm. and just dismantled his spirits opponent, yeah. which, you know, it feels good to play against the flash deck that you have been playing because you, <laughs> you understand just, exactly what can happen every turn. You know all the tricks. He got up after that and I was like, Philip, if I had seen that game before this open, I would not have allowed you to play spirits in this tournament. <laughs> Hilarious. But yeah, that like, and company probably helps it some in those matchups because if you have a company into a lord and a guy, mm-hmm. then you can really mess up their combat step. Yeah. So because that's that's what really cha- changes your ability to win those matchups is whether you have like two lords in play, mm-hmm. and when you don't, your guys are a little are just not able to rumble. Yep. the The four spectral sailor deck is never going to be good against the actual aggro decks in the format. Yeah, especially when some of them have chain whirler. It's not great. <laughs> yeah. And Chain Whirler did look really good. Mm-hmm. Um, he was running it, you know, in the... Was he running the, the one Mutavault build? Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's just, like, not really a land in the deck. It's mostly a spell. Yeah. But, yeah, Chain Whirler looked very strong. Just, you know, combos with both Soulscar Mage and Torbrand to do really gross things to your opponent's yes, creatures. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. So, yeah. Torbrand's nice. Torbrand's nice. <laughs> that's... Yeah, that's definitely a thing. Yeah, that card is very strong. But yeah, what uh, what have we not hit yet? Okay. Um, so we haven't talked about this, the mono white Heliod deck. Sure, I actually don't haven't had a lot of experience with that deck. Okay, it mainly plays out as is it is this the white weenie Heliod deck or is this it's the, like, like it's not quite white it weenie because it's mid rangeier. I mean, there's there's a couple of different builds. There's certainly like an owl build. Mm-hmm. I think most of the ones that I've seen have been more like, we've just got, like, guys. Mm-hmm. Owl is fine because it does find both of your pieces to the combo. Yeah. And I probably would be more excited to play an Owl build just because there's no other way to dig in Mono White. An Owl adds a lot of devotion. And there's some pretty strong sinks that you can have in that deck mm-hmm. from what I've seen. Like Walking Blista, obviously. Right. Or... Mm-hmm. obviously one of the one of the better ones yeah but then i've also seen i played against it recently and my opponent played uh the original heliod and just and had just like started making 20 mana ones. and oh, just wow. made a million two ones it was kind of scary yeah i mean that that is the the big payoff for having like arcanist owl and just being 
like a devotion heavy version is you just get to run your Nykthoses and sometimes you make a ton of mana and if you've put the mana sinks into your deck that is pretty powerful yeah um yeah this list the 7-3 list from the PT even has an Elspeth Sun's champion in the deck right so you know uh definitely trying to go big yeah that's a weird one that may not be what Pioneer is really about right now but yeah Stasis Snare is a really cool find yeah as a i mean you know we played a lot of this card in standard but it's an o-ring with two white pips <laughs> well it only exiles a creature well true. but it does have flash which is flash is very powerful yeah 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 so i i think that the mid-rangier versions of this deck with owl are stronger because the lower to the ground ones aren't going to kill anybody mm-hmm. um and this one just leans into it like your only one drop is three bit inspector yeah so yeah. we know what the speed of that type of deck is we've seen it many times before it's just a mid-range deck with a lot of mana some decent removal even playing elspeth conquers death that card is just an all-star yeah it's really really strong even in pioneer um i mean less so in pioneer <laughs> a little bit but um every time i've seen that card cast it is very very strong yep yeah i, I think this is probably about the way that I would build this deck if I were asked to take it to a tournament. You sure. know, just not trying to do like Benelish Marshall stuff or anything like that. Yeah. I don't think it coincides with your plan. I think you got to lean into Arcanist's Owl. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, I've been pretty impressed with the Owls, especially mm-hmm. alongside a Nykthos. It just does a lot. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's all, all on its own. It makes Nykthos give you plus one mana. Yeah. So that's that's great. Um, this definitely seems to be like the common build the more that I'm scrolling through lists here. Um, so I, I guess other people have certainly figured it out. Yeah. That we're not a white weenie deck. We are a mid-range white deck based on Arcanus Owl. <laughs> and then you yep. have a combo finish. Yeah. Um, and the cool thing is also one of your mana sinks is the combo finish. Mm-hmm. Because even if you have like none of the pieces in play... It is pretty mana intensive to get the full combo online. Right, right. Which, like, even in my modern deck with Devoted Druids and stuff like that, you never really can go Heliod, Walking Ballista, Lifelink, it kill you. Right. Like, that's that's nine mana. So much mana. With Nykthos, though, all things are possible. Yeah. So, yeah. Sometimes you just have nine mana. Yeah. Or 20. A lot of times (laughs) you just have nine mana, honestly. (laughs) Yep. So, I don't know... Kind of, I'm, I'm, I think I'm relatively underwhelmed with this deck. I don't think it's going to be a player for a long time. Yeah, um, I, I, I do think that if you're going to play it, you got to put Gideon of the Trials in it. Yeah, yeah, um, Gideon of the Trials is one of the cards that people were talking about being strong against Inverter mm-hmm. because if you just implement, they can't win. They have trouble. They have so much work to do then. Yeah, and uh, I, as a result of Gideon of the Trials being played at all, I think that is why a lot of these inverter lists have the one of Heroes Downfall. Yeah, just because they need an out. <laughs> you know what the insulation against that is? What's up? Also having Gideon allies and a guard. Oh yeah, play. just a bunch of Gideons. Yeah, because the Can't emblem kill all. only requires you to have a Gideon in play. Right. If you go Gideon of the Trials emblem. And into Gideon Allies Endicar against Inverter, yeah, they're gonna die. Like they just aren't gonna be able to kill you, right? Yeah, that's definitely pretty good. So I I would probably lean towards that way. And those are just fine cards in a mid range yeah. white deck, anyways. Yeah. They play, yeah, and give you two devotion each. Yeah, always good. Great. Turn on Manic those. <laughs> yeah. So do we? I think that's all I really wanted to talk about for Pioneer. I mean, we didn't really get into the Sultai deck, but. It's not true. Complicated. It's a mid-range deck. It's an Uro deck. That leans into Uro. Yeah. Um, People are calling it a bunch of other stuff. It's an Uro deck. Yeah. Um, It does get to enable Delirium pretty well. Mm -hmm. So it has some Delirium elements to it. Yeah. Um, It is playing um, Traverse. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some some spicy one-ofs. I saw Ishkana get a lot of press Mm -hmm. because that card is... Very good against spirits. <laughs> God. <laughs> and is a very nice one of to have in your Delirium deck. Yep. It ha- it does get to the point where we have to ask the question, you know, it is a mid-range deck, but I feel like we board in ley lines against this deck, right? If you got them. Yeah. They are very graveyard-based, yep. and a lot of the powerful stuff they do right. relies And on I that. do think that ley line is pretty strong right now mm-hmm. in the format. Um, you hit this Delirium deck pretty well. 
I don't think it's great against Inverter, mm-hmm. but I think the community is pretty split on that at the moment. I think a lot of people are like, you need to bring in this against Inverter because it slows them down a lot. And other people are like, well, you know, it just makes turn six real easy because yeah. <laughs> they just Inverter Oracle and it's over. So I think, um, yeah. I mean, I think it depends on what you are doing too. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are one of these not black decks who brings that brings in Leyline and Mulls to it or whatever, I don't think it's great against Inverter. But I do think that Leyline plus Thoughtseize is okay. Sure. Because um, like one of the problems with Thoughtseize in the matchup in general is that they are a dig through time deck and notorious that in like Thoughtseize is notoriously bad against dig through time decks yeah. generally because they get to make that right up. Leyline turns off their dig through times, and then your Thoughtseize becomes very effective because you get to just take their inverter and um, not worry about their dig, which is pretty good. Right. So I, I think that that combo becomes like fine. Whether it becomes good enough, I don't know. But without Thoughtseize, I do think Leyline, like, my gut is just like, that seems atrocious to me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I definitely saw it uh, happen a couple of times over the course of the weekend where the inverted player was just like, all right, kill you. I got a ley line out. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I mean, the rest of the format I think is also pretty soft. Like any Uro deck, you just really want some ley lines against. Mm-hmm. So, yep. That makes sense. Yeah. Ley line seems very strong. You're not quite, your, your Simic ramp deck is not quite graveyard based enough that ley line does anything against your, well, and that's the thing is that I, I would, I would be fine with somebody bringing in a ley line against me because I have so much other, other yeah. stuff to do. Like, sure, my Uro has turned into an expensive explorer, but, you know, I can, like, even, I can just, like, cast a World Breaker and get rid of your Leyline if I really needed to, like, mm-hmm. game. And, you know, so, yeah. You lose a little bit of the, like, cute synergies and, like, card advantage things in your deck, but, like, they spent a card and mm-hmm. didn't really cost you a card right? in the way that they cost right Sultai cards and the late game i can invalidate it pretty well mm-hmm. um so yeah it does make casting emrakul a chore until you get rid of that that late well line. i'll tell you what you, with this deck you just don't ever get more than three types anyway <laughs> <It's true. your laughs> i definitely have had moments where i have like 12 cards in my graveyard and they're all lands and creatures <laughs> so i'm like okay you got some enchantments in that deck too you toss um, a wolf willow yeah, occasionally I had an enchantment. I get really excited. And then occasionally I had a planeswalker. I get really excited. <laughs> There's one sorcery in the deck. There's a couple of instants, gross spirals. There's a pair of gross spirals. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not a lot. It's just creatures and so lands. You've, you've cast a bunch of 11 mana emeralds. Oh, yeah. Is oh, what yeah. I'm hearing. Yeah. The, the best part about all of it is that uh, it's an excellent castle Garen Break deck mm. because your castles become. Soul lands for Emrakul's and, and Ulamogs, yeah, and Ulamogs and World Breaker becomes is very frequently a like one less than you think it is. Gotcha, so, yeah, yeah. Six mana World Breaker, like two ramp spells, Castle World Breaker is like yeah, really doable. Yeah, oh, yeah, you you get to that pretty quickly. Yeah, so, yeah, I've been pretty happy with the World Breakers, um, and they trigger Sanctum. You have some Sanctums in there. Cool. Yeah, I mean, that deck seems sweet. I, I hope that it keeps working for I'm, you. I'm liking it. I think that I'm probably pretty close to locking it in and just making sure that all my plans are strong sure. in the matchups. Um, the big archetypes I want to make sure that I'm prepared for, uh, obviously Inverter. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think that we're hashing out a good plan for that. Yeah. All the aggro decks are really good already, mm-hmm. which is really nice to see. You're just putting um, big stuff out too fast, and Uro yeah. just stops them, I yeah. guess. Yeah, every deck other than Inverter feels really, really good for me because the control decks, I'm just going to Immercool them into mm-hmm. the ground and Worldbreaker them into the ground. Yeah. Like, both of those uh, are really strong. And then the aggro decks, just Uro is so oppressive. You have a lot of, like, chump blockers to get in the way. I think that's got to be a huge... That That's the thing that would make me really uncomfortable playing any aggro deck in this format right now mm-hmm. is just that there's a really good deck that everybody thinks is super cool in Sultai Delirium and is just going to, like, Uro you out of the game. Yeah. And the package is Seder Wayfinder into Uro. Yeah. And that's just, like, a free chump block. Gain into, a couple of life. Gain three life. Yep. Into a 6-6 six, six that yep. gains another three life. And right. Yeah, Uro is just... I think if, if Uro is going to be a factor at this tournament, you just can't play Mono Red. Okay. So, 
Yeah, that makes sense to me. Single tier. Yeah. Well, we will play mono red in formats in the future. That ain't never going away. <laughs> True. True. Um, but yeah, I think that I want to end up on the Euro side of things. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be on the Euro side of history for this for this PT. Yeah. Pioneer seems like the perfect format for Euro to be good in. Yeah. Like, it's fine and standard, but you have to play Cavalier and you can't overload your deck with Euros yeah. uh, in modern. And Seder Wayfinder is just such a phenomenal enabler right. for it. Because it gives you the land that you, like, are going to need because you're playing Explorers. It's mm-hmm. just, it fits everything. Yeah, yeah, it's very perfect. And, you know, modern, we can't really be running Seder Wayfinders and a bunch of Euros. So, you know, Pioneer is kind of the, like, not too yeah. hot, not too cold spot right. for that card yep cool. i'm pretty excited the one matchup that i am a little concerned about would be spirits i think that i probably would want to figure out some stuff there that'll make it a little better single blue counterspell is very strong so cool yeah dispute is just mystical dispute <sighs> one of the best sideboard cards they've yeah. ever printed it's like it's like uh it's like veil yeah except for it doesn't draw cards but i mean it's, it's still in the same great. it's in the same cycle it's yeah. and you can use it you know, defensively in ways that you couldn't use Veil. You know, Veil is a proactive card. You protect your right thing with it. Yeah, yeah. But Mystical Dispute, you can use to stop their Asa's Oracle or their Jace or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yep. So you've also been drafting some. And we... True. We've. I, I think we've reached the end of our Pioneer discussion yep. for the day. I believe so. Um, how has drafting been? How's this format? I love this format. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I One really cool thing that has happened for me over my course drafting this format is that um, like, I initially believed that certain colors were at the bottom mm-hmm. by a lot and then certain, uh, other colors were on the top by a lot. Yep. But the, the disparency or the discrepancy between these colors has definitely gotten smaller and smaller. Okay. So... I, th- I do still think that mono like that black is the best color. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's really going to change. But I initially had white at the bottom of the barrel, but now it's like the second best color. In my really? Mind. Are you just doing something different with it? Um. Yeah. I just. I think I just learned the white archetypes a little better. Okay. So that definitely helped. So what um, are we? What are we doing with white that makes it good? What What do you like to see in your white deck? So well, the best white deck is red white mm-hmm. go wide okay um if you can get that to get that deck together you end up with a bunch of he- hero creatures um they don't have the heroic but they all have hero in the name but they all but they're all called a hero of something yeah um so anyway yeah like those are the creatures that plus one plus all your team every time they get targeted so you end up getting a bunch of token makers and a couple of those and then enough stuff to target your stuff mm-hmm. um and the cool thing about that archetype is that there are some commons in this set that you are guaranteed to get a couple of. Mm-hmm. And Warp and Flame? Rap and Flame? Rap and Flame. Rap yeah. and Flame is definitely one of them. And that card is very unplayable in any archetype except for that one. Mm-hmm. So if you figure out that you're the drafter there, you know you're going to get them. And you just target like two of your heroic dudes and one of their blockers. Yep. And. Your opponent ties. I did that to Evan in the paper draft that we did. Yeah. And he had a giant lifelinker, lifelinking flyer mm-hmm. uh, with, I think it had vigilance. Was it uh, the one that you pay two mana to give vigilance and lifelink? Uh, I don't remember what it was, but he, it was not that. It's that he had the the lifelink curious obsession on something. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah. That yeah. had vigilance. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I was losing to that. And then I drew Rap and Flames, and then I made it not able to block, and I had 24 to <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. No, it's pretty good. Yeah. So, yeah, that archetype, I think, is, if you can, like, get the deck together, one of just the best archetypes okay. that you can just have, which I think makes white stronger. And then also just white has, like, strong removal, good flyers. Uh, so, you know, if you can if you can pair that together, it's typically pretty good. Yeah. So. Okay. But yeah, um, you know, I could talk about limited for days. Sure. <laughs> I don't know how much we want to get into it. Um, well, our Patreon question of the week, we've actually got Prodigal Engineer asking, if you're discussing limited this week, my question would be, black seems overpowered in the set. Do you think this is a mistake by design or is it player bias? Or is it a byproduct of the Enchantments Matter theming of the set? What's so... But you you said that maybe black is not quite as good. You, you had brought it down a little bit. I mean... Um, it is still very clearly good, mm-hmm. but after understanding the rest of the format more, mm-hmm. I think it's not like the it's you can do other stuff and and win and beat it. Mm-hmm. Um, and but black is the best deck 
black being the best deck is a byproduct of the escape mechanic. Mm. The escape mechanic is very, very strong. It's the best thing that you can be doing in this format. Okay. Uh, so just the format a, can't be that fast, right? Then Right, it's not. Okay. Except for this white, white, white red deck. deck yeah. Okay. It just as a limited mechanic, your creatures being able to be cast over and over again from mm-hmm. the graveyard is something else yeah and they're all um, bigger when they come back too yeah it's crazy so so you just have these things that you you know um and if you can build your deck to enable that well enough then yeah you, you're just gonna be able to outgrind anybody gotcha and and black has the best removal by a lot both of the best removal spells in the set are black mm-hmm. at common the myers grasps minus three minus three enchantment and final death Okay. As the only thing that can permanently get rid of, not the only thing, but as something that can permanently deal with a escape creature. Um, so you have the best removal, you have the best creatures essentially because they, you can have access to the escape mechanic in your black decks. Yeah, that three three that mills you, just seems nutty. Right, too. and that, that that was the third thing I'm getting to, <laughs> which is you also have the best escape enablers. Mm-hmm. The divination in black, draw two, lose two, mill two, mm-hmm. puts three cards in your graveyard and draws you two cards. Yeah, um, which does an amazing job at enabling escape. The yeah, the three three death touch for four mana that mills you for three when it comes into play. Yeah, even that's death touch. It's like a the most real body. That card reads four mana three three death touch draw card. Oof. Because uh, like most of the escape stuff is escape exile three cards Mm -hmm. so if you just are going to have access to those three cards putting into your graveyard is a card yep so yeah three three death touch draw card for four mana that that's what i've heard from multiple sources it's like every three cards in your graveyard is it counts as a card yeah so that card is insane um and at common (laughs) yeah and then you also have some like some really good uncommon like the best uncommon in the set is in black uh which is the 3-4 3-4 the escapes to be a 5-6 that makes your opponent sacrifice a creature. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what, what is this? What does its escape cost? How many cards does that cost? Three. Three. So you, you get to do that. You just get to do that quite quite over and over again. It's yep. very impressive. Like, the there's a 2-mana, two 2-1 two Death Toucher that gains you 2 life and mills you 2 cards. Mm-hmm. Okay, what is that? Yeah. 2-mana, <laughs> so, 2-1 two two Death Touch. Gain two life, draw two thirds of a card. Yeah, like that's like better than Silvergill adept kind right. of like. Yeah, I mean it's pretty it's pretty insane. So those cards are yeah, black is just phenomenal and um, it just has everything that you want in limited. So it's the best color probably by a lot, but I think that the other archetypes are also pretty strong. Yeah. So um, I'm not like sad if I'm not. I, I mean I'm a little sad, but I'm not mm-hmm. like devastated if I'm, my draft ends up not being black. So what are your like favorite archetypes? in the format to be in what do you feel really comfortable ending up in black green black green yeah just it's just probably the two best colors and then you get to play a bunch of escape creatures Mm -hmm. um uh, black green is probably just one of the better archetypes um and i draft it very frequently because i just value all the black green cards pretty highly Mm -hmm. the other archetypes that i think are good are like green blue is strong which is like you have strong enchantment stuff going on the red white deck that i talked about uh those are probably my top three okay cool yeah. um so just a taste of limited so yeah, you know we don't limited. we don't get to we don't get to talk about it too often but you're finally like you're about to go play limited at professional rel so I'm very excited that's great yep cool i don't really have much else for us to talk about today i think that pretty much covers is it. is that a wrap yeah have we covered think, enough time i think that can be a wrap i mean we we hit a lot we had a keeper okay. mole we did modern we talked about a lot of pioneer Sweet. and even a little limited so there we go cool all right thank you so much everybody for listening we really really appreciate your time uh it means a lot to us for you to you know scroll to us on your phone and hit play and listen to the whole thing um we apologize for not being here last week it was kind of out of our control but you know we'll we'll maintain our regular consistency going forward indeed if you would like to lend us some support we would really appreciate it you can head over to our website mtggrindcast.com we've got links to our patreon or you can go straight to the patreon uh, patreon.com slash mtggrindcast got a few different tiers we'll probably go over the tiers in detail again on a future episode mm-hmm. um, but we've got tokens we've got play mats we've got t-shirts now i'm actually wearing one right now so for those of you 
in the chat. You know, they're pretty go. sweet. They are pretty sweet. Yeah. Um, they are. You know, we went with kind of no branding on them. So if you just want this cute image of the two of us and an angry goose. It's um, branding enough. It's branding enough. Like, you don't need to be a billboard. Like, just sort of I just support cool the thing shirt. you like. And, yeah. I, you know, I'm going to wear this shirt. So, And I'm not a graphic tees kind of guy. So, nice. <laughs> we've, we've got the honk shirts. We got hats. We got play mats. We got pins. We got tokens. We got lots of stuff. So, if you want any of it, hit us up. Yep. Yeah. If you want to find us online, find us on social media. I'm tweeting from at CCR underscore Grindcast. The podcast is on Twitter at at MTD underscore Grindcast. And Collins is also on Twitter at Collins Mullen. Thanks, everybody, so much for listening. We really appreciate it. And have a great week. Peace.